all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hello and welcome to Cars and Comrades. This is Connor and I'm adding a little bit of a note here to help set the scene for this episode a little bit. We actually open up and start talking about our various car projects for quite some time. Uh, we all had a lot of a uh, lot to say on that. So um, if you want to skip all that, that's right at about the hour mark is where we get into the main topic, which is the RPM Act. Um, just to set things up a little bit, um, this is the first episode in a two-part um, episode series, mostly because we were strapped for time and we didn't want to make a four-hour-long episode. But this first episode's mostly just setting up, uh, setting up the background on what the RPM Act is, what the problem is it's supposed to be addressing, and getting kind of both sides from the EPA and uh, SEMA, which are, are both involved. So this is mostly a setup episode. Uh, we don't get that far in to draw any real hard conclusions, although we give up the game a little bit, and you can probably tell uh, where we're heading. But uh, if you're listening to this um, as we release it, uh, we'll be releasing the second part uh, about a week from now. If you're listening after that time, good for you. You didn't have to wait. Uh, lucky you. But uh, yeah, so the second ep- second part should be coming out uh, a week after the first. Sorry about that. I also wanted to make a note that this episode, this first part ends a little bit abruptly. So sorry about that as well. It wasn't uh, how I wanted it to go, but uh, that's where we stopped. So <laughs> just uh, go ahead and uh, listen next week, and uh, we'll have the conclusion, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully enjoy it. So buckle up and join us on the uh, road to revolution here. Welcome to Cars and Comrades, your hopefully favorite socialist car podcast. And if there's any others out there that you know of, uh, maybe let us know, because uh, I'm pretty sure we're the only one. But, you know, we might not be. I don't know. But If there's another socialist par- car podcast, they're counter-revolutionary and don't listen to them. <laughs> yeah, yes. We'll, we'll fight them. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, this week, or whatever, this episode... Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, kind of updates on our project cars as usual, uh, and then I've prepared a little bit of uh, some, I don't know, research on uh, something called the RPM Act, which if you're a listener to our show and you are, you know, somewhat into car culture, um, you've probably come across here and there uh, the whole idea that the uh, EPA is coming to take your race cars and it's all coming to an end. Uh, the evil EPA is after us. Um, so we're going to investigate whether that's the case, what might be going on. Um, do you actually have to worry? Um, what should you change if you need to make changes? All that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, crack your uh, preferred beverage and take a ride with us on the road to revolution. That's my intro. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> all right 
usually we make Bryant do the intros, so uh, I'm not as good at them. Uh, so I feel like that was okay. And I've been drinking moonshine, so maybe it's not the greatest idea. <laughs> I'm trying uh, not to do the intros because of my pension for being a raving lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for right now, I guess we'll, uh, we'll start with the, uh, various project car updates. So, uh, I guess that puts Brandon first. Okay. Well, this is easy. I haven't fucking worked on anything. Uh, that's a good week. Let's be real. That's a good week. (laughs) No, that's, that's numerous weeks where I've been on overtime for the entire fucking summer and, and don't have time to do anything. My daily driver the brakes are so fucking bad that I'm scared to stop at this point. That's bad. There is a solid quarter inch rut in my drop in my uh, discs. Court, and wow. I'm like terrified, but I haven't had the time to do it. But that's not what I'm going to talk about right now. What I, I have officially downgraded my daily driver to shitbox status because as of Thursday, when I turn my left turn signal on, it honks the horn. Oh no! <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> so I, y- y'all are all import guys. So maybe I don't know what the inside of the steering column looks like for you guys, but I have an old school van where even the ignition switch is on the dash, not in the column. So uh, in the turn signal mechanism, it's plastic, and when they get real old like that, they get brittle and they yep. break. So right now, what happens is I think when I put my left turn signal on, it's prying apart the plastic mechanism and forcing the uh, a contact to be made on the, the horn. <laughs> okay. So because obviously I I don't want to act like I drive a BMW or a Lexus and just not use <laughs> turn signals, so I just disconnected my horn. Uh, it's probably the right call. Yeah. Well, I I drive a van. If somebody wants to hit me, you know. Yeah, him. might is right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my parents always uh, drove vans, so when they were teaching me to drive, and I'm like, oh, but this car is slow, I can't get in front of that one. They said, no, might is right. <laughs> Let him fucking hit you. You're in the van. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, like my fenders are all busted up because people have tried. <laughs> and uh, yeah, anybody who thinks it's a good idea to hit me, more power to them. <laughs> And uh, the, the only other update I have is is super excellent, but it's not really an update on what I've already done. Uh, I will announce to the podcast that I have quit my job. Uh, that'll go into effect two weeks from fr- last Friday, so probably by the next episode, I won't be working. Woo! And, uh, Yay! Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I won't go into great detail, but my boss gave me an, a raise that I thought was straight up insulting. And uh, I was told that maybe this story was worth sharing on the podcast. So I went to the store and I got uh, a condolences <laughs> greeting card uh, that said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then gave some like pandering epithet on the inside. And I wrote my my last day of work on that. And I gave it to my boss. So, yeah. Kudos on that. So cathartic. <laughs> so cathartic. Yeah. I love quitting jobs. Like, if we achieve luxury gay space communism, I still want to have a job just so I can quit it every once in a while. Because it's one of the best feelings. Well, okay, so what I was saying earlier, it might have been before you got on the call, was this is this is the second time in my life that I've been in this position, and there's nothing better. 
But when you get to the point where you're ready to quit and in your head you're already done, so the boss has no authority over you whatsoever, best feeling in the world. Oh, yeah. You're a free also, man at that point. I'm getting over a really gnarly sinus infection and I have Lyme's disease and just a million fucking other things, so I sound like shit right now. But, yeah, so my, they gave me a really insulting raise. I talked to them about it, and they gave me four more cents on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day I came in with my sorry for your loss card and told them I was done. Yeah, good for you. Damn. That's that's. There is it. a supervisor that is trying to talk some sense into them and be like, look, yo, we actually kind of need this guy. Our department's already operating on a skeleton crew without half its skeleton. So, like, please don't let him quit. But I, I think I'm done. I don't even know what number they would have to throw at me to keep me. But what that does mean is in a few weeks, I'm taking a trip out to where to my buddy's house where my drag van is. And our goal is I'm not coming home until we can drive. The thing. Oh, oh, shit. Wow. That's awesome. Yes. It's a few hundred miles away on my friend's property. I'm not necessarily getting it to the point where I can drive it home. But I want to get it to the point where we can drive it out of the garage and around the yard, around the lot. Hey, so if it can we'll, do we'll that, it can go home. If it can do that much, it'll it'll make it. <laughs> okay, we can drive around the yard without back brakes. Okay, that's true. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yes. all right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were going over the list of everything that we still need to buy for it, and he was like, you know, you don't have back brakes. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't. So yeah, you're, you're encouraging me to drive 400 miles with only front drums. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd do yeah. that. In a van. <laughs> Just put a shoot on it. Just put a shoot on it for emergencies. <laughs> and you're good. Yeah, we're we're talking about a five hundred horsepower big block, so like Yeah. I won't Two race. shoots. Two shoots. <laughs> oh hold on. Brandon, if you ever do get shoots on that van, they gotta be Oh it's it's set up to run shoots. Okay. Yeah. Um can you get those like with custom like you know, red with yellow hammer and sickle or something on them? Like Probably. That would be cool. That would be I've, sweet. I've been, I've been debating, and dude, I have. Oh, if any listener wants to give me feedback, I will fucking listen. I realize that I need to get custom plates for this, and right now my number one choice for custom plates is Reed Marks. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> will that, hold on, that won't fit, will it? R e a d m a r x. Yeah, eight letters. Can you get eight? I thought it was seven. No, it's eight. I think, isn't it? No, you. What? Uh, no, you you can only get seven, I think. MRX, then I don't know. Yeah, that uh, MRX would probably works. Yeah. yeah, MRX would work. I'm sorry to crush your dreams. I wish it was eight. I feel like we <laughs> we should start. I wish it were more. I would get a license plate that said Stalin did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's good that that's not allowed. I don't know. I feel like there's probably a lot of messages I would not want to see. So, <laughs> Yeah, I was get a whole ass license plate that says like critical support for North Korea. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just enough to like piss people off, not enough to actually explain your position. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I want to do that, I would, I would just go get absurd with it. Biden leftist or something. <laughs> I do like the. Um... Okay, I'm, not, I'm not really going to do that. Stalin did do things wrong. I don't know enough about North Korea to have an opinion, and Biden can suck my dick. Woo! <laughs> there we go. 
Yeah, no, I just want to clear up all my opinions. But no, seriously, Stalin did nothing. <laughs> uh, well, I think, uh, Ryan, uh, I think you're going to be up next with, uh, with your little updates. Yeah, so I haven't been doing anything with my cars lately. Um, I've been trying to work on my moped mostly. Gotcha. Um, so I think I told you all the I had to build a new wheel for it, like new, um, you know, rim, hub, spokes, you know, between two different uh, wheels, I made a good one. Uh, and so I got that, you know, pretty well trued up within about an eighth of an inch. I think that's probably good enough for like, I don't know, the 40 miles an hour that I might do on the thing. Um, and uh, and then last night, or uh, I don't know, the other night I got the tire on it and put the, you know, put everything on the bike and reconnected the rear brakes and everything. I might need to adjust the brakes a little bit. They're a little bit, I don't know, not the greatest. I mean, it's uh, cable actuated drum brakes uh, front and back, so it's not like good or anything i feel like like it'll slow you down it doesn't have much to stop though does it i mean it's it's not heavy yeah yeah i mean it's i don't know maybe close to 200 pounds i want to say all told um but uh and then the next thing i need to figure out is the um the the fuel like the banjo bolt that goes onto the carburetor to get the fuel in yeah keeps leaking on me and i've put like all kinds of different O-rings and sealants and shit on there. And I think my next step is just to JB weld the thing on there and just say, fuck it, you know, like, this is not leaking, you know, this is one solid piece now. There's a banjo bolt for your fuel line? That goes onto the carburetor. So the carburetor has, um, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, it's it's like a banjo boat with like a little filter inside of it, and since it the the carburetor is like made out of like zinc alloy pot metal in the seventies in Italy, um, it stripped out the threads that holds that thing on there, and I had to put a helicoil in it, and I might have put it a little off, uh, you know, perpendicular, so it's not sealing a hundred percent. So mm. Yeah, so I'm just going to bolt it down and, and JB weld it, and I think... That's why you work yeah. in the gauge room, not the machine shop. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> if you tapped it not perpendicular. I'm being yeah. an asshole. That's not yeah. <laughs> I think I pretty much hand-drilled it with a, with a like, um you know, hand-drill. Like a little, whatever, electric drill. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on that... Uh, you know, next weekend from when we're recording this um, is that scooter rally uh, in Denver. So I'm going to try and make it to that. Um, after I get the fuel drunk. squared up. What's that? I said, that sounds so drunk. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I mean, I think it does start at a bar. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I after I get the fuel sorted out, I'll take it on. I'll shake down, you know, cruise around the neighborhood and see how it runs. I mean, it was running pretty good last time I, I took it out, uh, minus the wobbly wheel. Um, but then I need to figure out, like, electrical stuff and lights. Um, like, it has, you know, Magneto or, or whatever uh, powered lights, and it ha- I don't know if I have a um, rectifier for it that works. So what I might end up doing is just taking, like, the battery from my bicycle headlight 
and like splicing that into the wiring so it you know lights up the the front and rear lights just so I have some lights you know uh, just kind of kind of jerry rig it a little bit um, but yeah that's what I've been working on um, I do have something that I was gonna I just was checking our messages on Hexbear and I saw someone talking about this um, Chinese electric car. If you all want to talk about that, or I can save it till later. Uh, yeah, let's 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 we can we can fit in a little news story. Um, yeah, because I recently so I sorry I go was ahead. just going to say I recently came across a Chinese competitor to, competitor to uh, Tesla at like randomly, and I was like, oh, this actually looks pretty interesting. Like it looks kind of decent. So um, I don't know if this is the same kind of thing or something different, but. Well, this, I saw the video about it. Um, I don't know if I saw it on Hexbear or somewhere else, um, but it's the Leap Motor S01, and it's billed as a electric sports car, but it's, I, I don't know if I would call it a sports car because it's front-wheel drive. It only has, like, 170 horsepower, and um, it's got, like, strut front suspension and torsion beam rear suspension. Um, it's a little bit smaller than a um, Subaru BRZ or uh, whatever the Toyota version is. Um, and uh, I guess they're claiming that they have like some self-driving features. Uh, but it, it's the, the real kicker is that it's uh, priced around $17,000 in American dollars. Okay. Uh, of course, they're not selling it in the U.S., but... I mean, yeah, I was, I was very not with it until you said that price and i was like okay it's pretty much cheaper than you can get any car here and it's definitely i mean it it's probably marginally faster than a honda civic maybe i guess maybe i don't know but can you make it lane pop like a honda civic can you what i said can you make it lane pop like a honda Civic? (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can't put a giant fart can exhaust on it i mean you could but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just reroute the speakers through a muffler and have a soundtrack of acceleration and deceleration right yeah so i'm not all that sold on it to be honest like it looks kind of like i wouldn't buy one but i mean i guess good for leap motors for making something that's affordable and you know kind of sporty yeah i'm all for um, i'm actually all for so here's the thing i'm all for you know very affordable decent cars in general um, and a lot of socialist countries have invested in making such affordable cars. The problem is now that I run our social media accounts, um, I hear a hundred times every week, what cars did the communists make? And it's always like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck man, I really don't have anything. To, I mean, I have a, don't be, don't, you know, don't be worried. I can come back to that, but they do point out like, oh, no, no, no. I got this. They made a lot of cars. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which I do, which generally I do point out. I'm like, hey, you know what? They actually did what they could with what they had. And, you know, their resources were limited. Fuck you. Um, But I mean, Ladas aren't bad cars. Like they they last forever. They're rugged. They're durable. Like they're, you know, decently cheap and easy to repair. I actually think a lot of the like criticisms of those kinds of cars are actually just, you know, like anything else, a media campaign to make you know socialism look bad. Right. It's 
Well, like, this isn't this doesn't wholly excuse any one problem or the other, but like if your argument is like, well, America's had like a hundred years to develop industry and we make good cars, what name these communist cars? And it's like, well, they went from like a peasant economy to the Lada in like thirty years, so maybe shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's usually <laughs> I usually make that argument where like, it's like, look, it wasn't perfect, but they were getting by with what they had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's nothing short of a miracle what most of these countries have been able to accomplish. Um, like, if I'm not jokingly praising Stalin, yeah, like the Soviet Union and a lot of uh, socialist countries have had a lot of problems, but a lot of those problems at the end of the day boil down to, like, have, being forced to rapidly industrialize while in active opposition to some of the largest superpowers in the world. Well, yeah, and the other thing is, you know, um, okay, what about all these other capitalist countries that don't make their own cars or don't make good cars what about them oh they don't want to talk about that so but it is funny when it's like oh man another another shitty communist vehicle (laughs) i don't know i don't know if it's shitty it it actually could be it has potential to be decent i don't know um i actually did yeah i don't know if those cars are shitty and i don't know if china's socialist so yeah they're they're in some (laughs) some way something good question Next, moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I did actually see, so there's a company called, like, Xpeng or something um, that mm. actually looks like they make kind of decent cars in China that are potentially, you know, competitive to Teslas and in some ways could be, they seem to be picking better technologies to invest in, which we already know that Tesla, you know, Elon Musk picks a shitty technology and goes, yep, that's the one we're going to use forever. So, and then when someone else says, actually, that doesn't make sense, he fires them. Yeah. So, um, from I, I, I did. So I actually saw like some videos of like this car company. I was like, God, I've never heard of that. And I was like, well, of course I live in the United States. So they don't tell us when other countries do anything right or any other non us corporation gets something right. Well, we don't hear about it, but, um, it seems promising. So they could be getting some stuff right over there. Um, anyway, sorry. I just thought I would mention that since we were talking about Chinese electric vehicles. No, it's good. And uh, thanks to user uh, D61 for alerting to us to that. Um, I did have a couple other things I forget. I uh, was going to go help James and Rafi work on their uh, sport, their race car today, uh, but I work second shift, and they wanted to do that in the morning, and so I slept in and missed it. So sorry, guys, if you're listening. Um <laughs> But uh, maybe I'll have a, a you know an update and talk to those guys uh, you know later on. But um, what was the other thing? Oh, I was driving my MR2 a lot lately, and I uh, you know I was driving around uh, out and you know everyone's got their their sports cars and their motorcycles out because it's warm weather now, and uh, you know I saw a a McLaren driving around. I'm like, hey, we both have mid-engine sports cars. We're the same, right? <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, think, I think the same thing when I see nine eleven turbos. I'm like, hey, yeah. boxer engine boxers, turbo, yeah. you and me, <laughs> we're the same. My goal over here is literally to build a van that runs in the mid tens, and it will be mid engine. So yeah. does that mean I get to include myself in this club? Uh, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, definitely. sure. Cool. Um, yeah, and I also saw uh, a guy with a uh, Dodge Stealth RT, yes. the twin turbo one. Yes. So 
I gave him those the, thumbs, the thumbs up. You know, you never see those. They're great. <laughs> yeah. Those so sick. Yeah. Um, fun fact: since you bring uh, it up, it's just it's worth mentioning. The shop that is um, that I've got the dude working on my uh, my Nissan. Um, he's one of the only places that works on Dodge Stealths and Mitsubishi 3000 GTs, but he's always got a bunch like parked in the lot. So he's like one of the few people that will fuck with those. Um, and I find that very, I don't know, entertaining. He's good. He's good with those, which is very rare. <laughs> yep. I, I went to a big car show yesterday and I saw a, a, a Dodge Var- Viper with absolutely gnarly curb rash on all the rest <laughs> <laughs> basically confirmed all of my suspicions <laughs> yeah and another thing i noticed about my mr2 is i just did a, like a little bit of a measurement last time i was actually parked on level ground and there's like maybe a degree of camber in the rear versus the front which is basically straight up and down so i don't know if that's on purpose or if it's just out of alignment um, maybe I should ask some like MR2 people. Wait, but uh, one I, I should probably get it aligned. One degree around a degree. I I just measured it with like a like a square, uh, T square and a, um, you know, measuring tape or whatever. So like, so you know, so it could be probably not accurate. So it could but... be three degrees for all we know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if I park it on something that's not quite level, it's got a little bit more. So I'm not sure. It's, I mean, like I've said, like basically all the bushings are 30 years old and worn out and shitty and not the greatest. So like, it could just be things are moving around a little bit. So who knows? Probably time for, uh, for an energy suspension, rear suspension kit and, uh, an alignment then I think that would do you. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do want to do the, the poly bushings. Uh, so maybe write in and tell me if that's a good idea or a bad idea. Don't write in. Just, just do that. That's, it is a good idea. Don't listen to fucking (laughs) listeners on that. It's a good idea. (laughs) To be clear, he's not referring to polyurethane bushings. He's referring to bushings that have numerous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oh, His bushings are in a polycule. <laughs> I could make some uh, jokes about lubricant and rubbing and friction there, but uh, probably best that we don't. Yeah, yeah. but they we don't love that here. At this <laughs> we don't make those kind of jokes. We don't make those kind of jokes. We state those kind of truths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm trying to fuck my car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wasn't that on like My let Strange Addiction you, or something? Let me tell you, it is exhausting. Ah! Oh. <laughs> uh. I'm 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 sorry. I'm on the show. No, no, we need we we need it because no one else can make those terrible puns, <laughs> or not as often, I should say. Maybe maybe other people could, but they just have like the self restraint necessary <laughs> to not say every word they think. <laughs> all right all right well connor i think it's your turn all right well i'm still uh <clears throat> i am admittedly still laughing a little bit so for a second yeah we all we all maybe need to take a moment to process that pun <laughs> i'm sorry for who i am <laughs> <laughs> all right all right um i think yeah connor what have you been working on <laughs> 
Um, so I haven't been working on fucking your car too much. Um, so you know, Camaro still runs like shit. Is a piece of shit in every way. I hate it. Um, I was stuck in traffic today, um, uh, with no AC, and it's actually hot out. Um, so for any listeners who may have been paying attention, I did on the last episode say, you know, oh yeah, I got this like AC recharge thing and I'm going to try and do that. Um, it's like a 20 minute fucking thing. Guess what? Didn't do it. I'm lazy. Um, it hasn't really been that hot, so I haven't really been motivated to fuck with it. And I was regretting that decision today. So it was hot. Um, so I was driving home. It's my experience as a car guy that like. It's only going to take 20 minutes is a thing that you say to non-car people <laughs> while, like, internally knowing that this could take 20 minutes or 8 to 12 hours, depending on what you break in the process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really... why I, I don't have front brakes on my van, basically, because, like, sure, it could take an hour, but it could also take three days. Yeah. It, and it... You know, it's like that 20 minutes, you're like, ah, you know, if exactly if something goes wrong, oh, it's, you know, I don't have time for it, you know, which nothing should go wrong. But, as, you know, it, it's Schrodinger's automotive. <laughs> as long as I haven't done it, it only takes 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's that is so true. Holy shit. Right there. I need to log out. I'm on fire, and I need to quit while I'm ahead. That's the best I've got, is, is Schrodinger's AC repair. Yeah, well, spot on. Um, so, yeah, haven't done it yet. Maybe I'll do it by the next episode. We'll see. Or that'll be an ongoing bit on the show that I never do, it, and I keep saying every week that I will. We'll see. Who knows? I hope I do it, though, because it's if hot. You, if you can just push it back two or three episodes, we'll be into the fall. That's true, and then I won't need it. Yeah. So well, I no, think you should just uh, go to the. The fall is still going to be 115 degrees. Yeah. I think you should just get a giant block of ice from the <laughs> grocery store every time that you want to, you know, drive somewhere. I'm daily driving it now. That's, like, that's rough. I'd have to get up early for work. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Just get one of those like cool shirts that they use. There you go. Things. Yeah. My best friend had an early Dodge van. That did not have air conditioning, so he wired an electric fan and a vent onto a cooler, and he would fill it with ice and turn the fan on so that it would just blow cool air into the cab of the vehicle. Yeah, it works. <laughs> well, it's... and and uh, we had the cool suit on uh, on the lemons car, and that actually worked quite well. Really? So yeah, just I a cooler full of ice, good. a pump, and the little. You know hoses and whatnot. So huh, interesting. I mean, you can buy the 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 one uh, you know from the actual company, and but uh, we just kind of built our own, and it cost I don't know around a hundred bucks or something. So hey, can't argue with that. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> well, anyway, so I, I haven't done much on the Camaro. Um. Not not too much going on there. I'm lazy. Although I am, it's going to the shop uh, next weekend. So hopefully get a bunch of stuff done and maybe it'll run right when it comes out. I don't know. It's kind of just a get it out of my hair kind of situation. So um, it does have some things that it needs to have done before I can get other things done. So that's a whole pain in my ass. Um, but I was driving in traffic and I, it, it kind of 
made me think because I got stuck by two fucking accidents today, uh, and I was like, "Oh man, I hadn't considered it." But like, I don't know if you guys have experienced the same thing. It feels like no one knows how to drive anymore after COVID. Like people went so long without driving, and now that there's people who drive like ass wipes, where you're just like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" And then there's people who seem scared of driving, and so they're really bad at it. You know what I mean? I don't know if anyone else has noticed that, but, like, I started to think, like, oh, fuck, there's probably going to be more traffic caused by accidents now. Actually, I've never been driving a car when I thought to myself, yeah, everyone around me seems to know how to drive one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems worse now. <laughs> Does it seem worse now because you didn't have to deal with it for a while and now you do? Or because you think other people are actually driving worse? I I feel like I've had... That more... silence is very revealing. Yeah, I, I feel like I've encountered more people who, like, had severe, like, fuck-ups. Where you're just like, what do you... What You're not even close to right here. You do... Like, there's times where it's like, okay, someone's driving like a jerk, whatever. They're safe enough. Now it's like someone's trying to drive like a jerk, and I'm like, yo, you are not doing this well. You are failing this. I feel like I notice it a lot more where I'm just like, oh, you're going to cause an accident for sure. And, you know, hey, every every time I've tried to go anywhere that's more than, you know, 30 miles, I've been delayed by a crash, it seems. So I don't know. I feel you live in Chicago. Well, yeah, there's 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 always a crash. So I've never been through Chicago without getting stuck in gridlock traffic. Okay. All right, look, I gotta, I'm gonna come and defend Chicago here. I have driven around the entire fucking country, and Chicago's traffic is among the best. So, Wrong. fuck, incorrect. No, Doubt. not correct. No, it is absolutely <laughs> correct. I have driven in every other fucking place, and every city is worse. I prop. I've gotten. I've been in Chicago in a tractor trailer, in a truck, like like just a regular four wheel truck. And on a motorcycle, and at no point have I ever encountered anything but abysmal traffic. Okay, abysmal traffic, but but you have to compare that to other major metropolitan areas, which are, in my opinion, far worse. New York, come on, not not even comparable. L.A., don't even get me fucking started. It's worse than L.A. I will no no it's driven both in a tractor trailer. Chicago's worse. Ah uh, no, I in not in my experience anyway. Certainly not in my experience. I, LA was terrible. Personal experience, the only place hands down worse than Chicago, and I mean hands the fuck down, Atlanta. Atlanta's terrible. Compar- yeah, I've heard, I've heard about that. Comparable, but probably worse, DC or anywhere within 50 miles. I personally haven't had too many issues in DC, but I could see it being an issue. Um, but come on, have you ever driven through New York? Especially with with a no, why would I do that? Okay, yeah, New York's bad. New York's real bad. Nobody drives in New York. The traffic's too bad. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nobody goes there. It's too crowded. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, all right. Yeah. Also, uh, also put out there like any major city in Texas is pretty the, bad. Texas so is, Houston, the, is among Austin, the worst. Dallas. Yeah, Texas is among you know. the worst because they yeah. built. So they their solution to traffic was to build more highways. So every road to everywhere is a fucking highway. So instead of like like half the half of any major city in Texas is just highways and yes. 
Like half of any city is paved at and least, all, like half of the the land. Yeah, they're all twelve you know? lane fucking highways, and then there's like yeah, there's eight signs that you got to look at, and you're like, oh cool, now I get to go across twelve lanes of traffic, and lo and behold, that creates some gridlock. Yeah, uh, listeners, look up something called induced demand. Yep. You know, basically, if you just build wider highway highways, it just creates more traffic. You know, it's it <clears throat> it's not a solution. Yeah. yeah, this so. is a car podcast, but we're not going to get into it on this. You, gotta, you go look it up. <laughs> do, do your own research. <laughs> we've, we've covered it um, in in respect to uh, Elon Musk's stupid exploits, yes. for sure. Yes. Yeah. Go figure out which episode that was and listen to it. Yeah, it's that one. But at least Texas roads are safe because everyone on them is in a 3 percent militia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, I saw something recently. I, I should probably look this up and get the actual statistic, but it was something like all the all the car, um, all the emissions from cars and trucks in Texas is more around equal to all of the freight uh, trains in the entire world. Hold on, say like, that again. The, the, the automo- private automobiles in Texas create as much or more emissions than all of the freight trains in the entire world combined. That was oh, a statistic I saw. I mean, I'll cut this out if it if it's not true, but that's, now, the, yeah. The statistic that I saw as it pertains to this was automobiles in Texas account for, I believe it was 0.03% of all, of a certain type of pollution, like carbon dioxide pollution, I believe. But the population of Texas accounts for 0.02% which yeah. doesn't sound like a huge discrepancy, but when you're talking about 7 billion people, it means that they're putting out a lot of pollution per capita there. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I and that was another thing. I i don't know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but maybe for a few, future episode, we should talk about just, like, how, like, gigantic trucks have become and, like, how everyone in America is buying a full-size truck now and it, it's fucking stupid and you don't need a truck. Yeah. Uh, I mean, less less Zach, you're a construction worker or something. Maybe you do need a truck, but mine's not even full size. Yeah, yeah, you you've just truck. got a Ranger. So <laughs> I feel like we just need small trucks with big engines that can actually do the towing. Like you don't need yeah. the big twenty thousand pound truck. It seems like everyone wants a truck that will literally do everything. They're like, I want a five-seater truck that can fit five comfortably and have an eight-foot bed and go zero to 60 in three seconds and haul a a camper and a boat and another car and go off-road. It's like, okay, calm down. Just get two cars. Like That would be way less pollution than this fucking massive beast that you have <laughs> See, i think you're being really generous i think these people want a truck that can do all of those things but all they're actually going to do is just haul their family around oh yeah, yeah. that's exactly what they're going to use it for they're just like what if i do use it but what if one day in the future i do buy an rv <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna need something to tow that with yep. <laughs> yeah and they drive them they just it's one person in that truck driving to work that's all it is ever. One person yep. being moved around by an, uh, a ten thousand pound fucking machine. <laughs> yeah, to to their job where they sit in an office, no less. 
Like, there's absolutely no reason. Yeah. Um, obnoxious. And it probably has low-profile off-road tires and rolls <laughs> pole. Fuck them. <laughs> yep. Um, Alright, uh, um, to uh, finish up my updates, um, so the Camaro sucks, whatever, that's that's its own thing. Uh, the Nissan, I got news back, finally, um, that the engine block and the heads are done. So... Woo! Yeah. Fuck yes. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah, we're we're a few months late. <laughs> uh, it's I feel those months. I'm feeling them, but whatever. Yeah, it's July. You were expecting to have this done in like May. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a whole thing, but whatever. My drifting season's gonna start late, which isn't the worst thing ever. Um, I'm more or less concerned where it's like I would like to drive the car again. Like I I miss it. I hate this Camaro. It makes me love the Nissan more the more I drive it. Um, so, yeah, heads totally done. New valves, new springs, valve guides, literally everything ported, you know, resurfaced, all that shit. Um, so that's done. The block is done, fully balanced, all that good stuff. Um, so just got to be put together and put in the car, which is going to take some time, you know, itself. But then, uh, yeah, three or four days. Yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes, but you know, twenty minutes. It'll be done in twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, things are moving along. It's, it's thirty minutes as long as you don't actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty much where we're at. So, I mean, hey, I'm I'm happy. It's some progress has been made because for a while there, I was starting to be like, all right, no progress has been made. Um. So, in theory, at some point soon. That's how I felt about my life for ten years. That's how I still feel about mine. <laughs> yeah, right there with you. Um, so, you know, things are moving along, I guess. So, yay. And that's pretty much all I got. You know, I haven't done too much working because, you know, I don't have a whole lot of space or time or all this good stuff. So, kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Soon I'll have the Z back and I'll be able to go out and drift on the street and hopefully not get uh, get into any trouble. So that's nice. right. Yep, that's all I got. I believe in you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, Zach, what are you brings it to me. Yeah. Well, I uh, I've got a lot going on. I uh, let's just hit the the quick ones quickly. Uh, the Audi still doesn't run. Uh, that got pushed to the back burner uh, due to the Ranger being in. A state of total disrepair, and uh, I'm recently getting some creaks and rattles in my WRX because I've had to drive that every day and have neglected a couple things. Oh, I on that. I didn't even for for whatever reason I like. I thought like, oh, he got the Ranger. He must have gotten rid of the WRX. So you're now at three cars. Oh man, that's the that's like the forbidden land. That's the problem area. Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. Trust me, it gets worse. I, uh, well, I mean, it's it's bad idea land. I feel like... <laughs> Do you know how many cars I have? <laughs> a lot. But that's you're, the you're beyond saving, Brandon. We're, you're just, you've been so far past it already. <laughs> I'm just... I'm hitting that peak, and and it's all downhill for here for me. You are already gone. <laughs> 
if we don't count motorcycles, technically I'm at eleven. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and you okay? This isn't this isn't like you know making you look better. <laughs> I've never claimed to be anything short of white trash. That's true. <laughs> I'm like cooling off on that label because uh, it's really re- occurring to me how reactionary everyone else that uses that yeah. is. But like, I mean, if we're going purely off of how many vehicles are broken down and not running <laughs> in the yard, then yeah. <laughs> Zach, yeah, um, I cut you off. Enough <laughs> about how shitty I am as a car guy. Uh, I'm, I'm on my way, man. I'm catching up with you. I have another car coming in next month. It's uh, is it the Cobra? The Cobra is coming. Oh, okay, in. Yes. okay, that's okay. I'll yes. allow it. I literally like I have to get one gone and done by then. Otherwise, I'm just like, yeah, that's when we know I'm past the point of no return. <laughs> because once I have them parked outside of everyone I know's house, because yeah. I just don't have any room anywhere, and I have to call in every favor. <laughs> like, dude, I know you got a spot on on the sidewalk. Just like it'll just be a month, man. Come on, help me out here. <laughs> That's that's when we well, know it's, it's well, Zach. Not to be an enabler, but I might be buying a house in the near future. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> oh. if that happens, uh, I will let you park a car at there. It, granted, there is room for it. I mean, I've got two cars, and my future roommate might have another two cars. So, you know, we'll see about that. Hey, man, I'm so. finding Zach the most appropriate person on the show with me. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm I'm getting there. You give me some time. I'll be right That's there. Not right. Goal. That shouldn't be a thing you aspire towards. <laughs> hey, you know what? If it's gonna happen, I might as well accept it. So I'm not trying. But... You feel bad about yourself. <laughs> it's like those people that have like ten cats, and they're like, "Oh, it followed me home." You know? <laughs> yeah, cars just keep following me home after I give people money for them and load them on a trailer. I don't know what is happening. I only have ten cats because every one of my broken down cars has a cat in it. <laughs> I keep buying cars and getting free cats. I don't know what's going on here. I just I keep getting cats and needing a place to keep them. <laughs> don't keep uh, your cat in the car. That's oh, that's a disaster way to I mean, all the windows are smashed out so they can come and go. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it keeps the mice from eating the electrical system, you know? Exactly. Oh, that's fair. That's a yeah. solution. It's maintenance. It's just preventative <laughs> maintenance for the car to leave a cat in it. I mean, the cat pee might corrode things a little bit, but, you know, that's the price well, you gotta pay. Also, if you leave a cat in it, you'll pass emissions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Thank your you. cat might get stolen, so, you. you know. That's true. They are going for a pretty penny. Um, but, yeah, so all my all my cars are shit boxes right now. I'm getting another shit box next month. And, um, no, I feel like that doesn't really... a shitbox. Does it? Well, it's in it's in a bunch of pieces, and it doesn't run. So, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it has, like, more potential than any other shitbox, but, you know, it's it not... It is a bunch of shit in a box, essentially. But, yeah, several boxes, so... Okay. So, wait, wait, what's that, like, a, a 427, 428 Cobra Jet? Yeah, 427 Cobra Jet. Yeah, you don't get to call that shitbox, dude. Well, it doesn't run. I, I mean, like, it has a lot of potential, but it's still a pile of parts, essentially. How much body work does it need? Um, it needs paint. Yeah, fuck off. 
<laughs> I mean, it also needs, like, a tub to, like, sit in, you know, like an interior, which it doesn't have. And, you know, like, probably a windshield, I guess, eventually. But, you know, it's, I, guess, I guess it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, that's a bit of a project. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. So I got to get yeah. rid of, I got to get rid of one of the shit boxes. And, um, you know, I know I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that you have Lyme's disease, Brandon, but with all my shit box, I think I have lemons disease. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Let's moving on. <laughs> my facial expression didn't change, but I do want to be clear. I did hear you. Okay. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna go now. I, I'm gonna go. See, I think it would be more complimentary if, to go with my Lyme's disease, you actually caught coronavirus. Yeah, hey, there great. we go. <laughs> I'll get right on that. Especially if you were, uh, if your next project car was a Toyota Corona. Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay, we lost the plot here. <laughs> is that it for project car updates or are we done oh, with that or uh can i get into my ranger a little bit because that's that oh yeah yeah it. go for it uh tip last, to I mean, last i heard you were at the at the uh junkyard looking for a motor is that right yeah yeah uh so right now all it all it needed was um just an engine and a transmission and a rear end and a front end and a rate okay <laughs> and an ac system yeah, in an AC system. So, but other than that, other than that, it's, it's pretty fine. I mean, uh, yeah, up till now, I've gotten, I got a rear end, bought it off Craigslist from some guy. Uh, Wait, hold on, hold on, bucks. I gotta, hold on, I gotta question this. So, I yeah. knew that the engine had seized. How did mm -hmm. that affect your transmission and your rear end? Like, were, were so, those already bad or what? Order order of operations there is reversed. So it, it, the issue started in the rear and made its way all the way to the radiator. That was um, oh. you know tip to tail. So the it's got a limited slip rear end and there's like little uh, yeah. clutches yep. inside of you know the actual limited slip part. And um, I changed the the rear diff fluid when I got the truck because you know just general maintenance. I was going through a few things and like obviously it had been weeping, so I was going to change the gasket. And so I was like, okay, let's do the, you know, fluid at the same time. I did all that, um, and I found some chunks of metal mm. uh, when I pulled it out. Never uh, a bad time. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Um, but it was not, it wasn't um, flaky. So it wasn't grinding the gears or anything. It was just a few big pieces, you know, about a half inch by half inch squares, like two or three of them. And that it was is a big piece. Yeah, it was still going. So I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't know what that is, but, like, it's still going, and it's not sparkly, so it hasn't been, like, rubbing on the ring and pinion. We're good, dude. Send it. <laughs> 2500-buck truck. We're running it. Hmm. What that was was the uh, pieces of the clutch that actually lock up the limited slip diff. So when I would slow down from, like, a cruising speed... Uh, down towards like second going into first, I think what was happening was uh, the limited slip would not lock up either axle and it would allow them both to slip back and forth. So it wasn't sending, you know, friction to the transmission to say like, hey, we're slowing down back here, downshift. Uh, so 
I slowed down one time, stomped on it because I needed to get back going again, and it uh, didn't downshift into first when I slowed down. It did downshift into first, however, once it hit about 3,500, 4,000 RPM. Ooh. And it, it felt like I got rear-ended at about like 30 miles an hour. Uh. Rocked the <laughs> I mean, it, it jumped. It jumped. And I was like, like oh, shit. Well, it ain't going. Like, it just downshifted. Then I got some RPM, you know, started moving. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's keep going. Um, but I guess that was enough of just forcing the drive line to twist the motor and push the, the cooling fan up into the radiator. What Ooh. the so fuck? The fan... Holy the fan, Christ! Yeah, I think that <laughs> might have been made worse by the fact that there were rubber hoses in the transmission mount because all of the rubber had been worn out and someone just shoved rubber hoses in there. Oh, it's kind of like, oh, that's good enough, you know? Yeah. Oh. So that's what blew my radiator. That's what overheated the engine. Um, and that's, you know, that obviously caused all of the other issues. So the, uh, the AC system and the transmission, I went ahead and replaced because it was on the old school um, AC, uh, which I'm forgetting what it's called. But, you know, the modern stuff's R134A. It was on the old school stuff that you can't get anymore, that refrigerant. Uh, so I went ahead and replaced that while I was in there. Yeah, yeah, 93. And they were still on that uh, huh. older R12 or whatever. Yeah, R12, R12, yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And um, the transmission, uh, you know, could have gone either way. Maybe that trans would have worked, but uh, I paid $130 for the five speed uh, transmission. I can't argue with which that. Which is just so much better than the four speed overdrive like in every possible way. And luckily it's the same exact case. So everything lines up. I don't need a new drive shaft or transfer case, nothing like that. It's the same case. It's just better internals. It's a five speed automatic though. Yeah. Five speed automatic. Okay. Um, Just different gear ratios, you know, a little more uh, top end. So it's not just pinned to the limiter while I'm on the highway. Right. Um, Okay. I just realized something. I always have this internal struggle where I'm like, okay, as a leftist who, like, cares about the environment, et cetera, et cetera, like, how can I justify, like, driving these, like, fucking hoopties that get shit gas mileage, blah, 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 and now it's clear. We start a podcast, and we do nothing but talk about the horror stories that we have of driving cars. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who tunes in is like, fuck, we should. We should. I should take a bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you Whatever should. they are doing sounds like a nightmare that I don't want to repeat. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is like broad, broad strokes. Uh, the view from ten thousand feet. If we got into the details here, if you're ever considering it, you know, you know, hit me up. I'll I'll talk your ear off for an hour and a half about all the bullshit that I've had to deal with to get to this point, and you will not consider <laughs> getting a shitbox yourself. I promise. No, I still. Yeah, I hate myself. <laughs> well, I mean, present company excluded. You know, rational people <laughs> who don't want to have five cars. And <laughs> well, when you have a one problem, two of them hold on. When you've got a problem that you need to fix, like especially an, an expensive problem like a blown engine, it makes sense to get another car to get you through the hard times. And then when that one has a problem, well, you just get another car to get through those hard times. It, it's it works out in the end, eventually, somewhere. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. not a vicious cycle. No, 
<laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so I have ba- I have backup vehicles that also don't run, but I also have backup motors that need rebuilt. <laughs> they're not backups. Un- they're not backups until they're rebuilt, in my opinion. Like <laughs> until they're ready to See, go I- in, they're not a backup. <laughs> Counter argument. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was smart and I got into mopeds where all of the spare motors and spare frames and, and other parts that I have can all fit in my crawl space and not take up too much space. Oh, that's you know? true. That's that's nice. And they only cost like 50 bucks each or something. So, yeah. It's a lot, a lot more manageable. I got into Chevys. The small block Chevy can be replaced in any junkyard for 200 bucks. Yeah. That's true. Well, you got me there. And then when that one turns out to have already been broken, you can replace it again for another $200. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I've probably put like $1,500 into my moped that's worth like $400. So, yeah. That's that's how it be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Insert that stonks meme here. It's just like (laughs) the graph going up. Yeah. Yeah, so if if anyone wants to buy a moped, uh, hit me up. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, space, kind of just reminded me. I, I don't know if I don't think I mentioned it on the air, but um, I, I have a bunch of wheels and tires because on account of the drifting. Um, and my dad is moving out of Chicago to go to, you know, a more rural area where he doesn't have a whole lot of space. So I had to get a whole bunch of wheels and tires that I've been keeping at his house because I don't have fucking space for them. Uh, I had to move a whole bunch of wheels and tires um, to a storage unit that I have, uh, which thankfully they all fit. I wasn't entirely sure, but um, on, you know, short notice, I had to get rid of like, I think, 10 tires. Um, Most of them were just junk that I couldn't end up using. But um, yeah, it's a whole like thing dealing with. I don't know. I think I've got like 14 or 16 wheels or something. Like I've got a few, like I've got like an odd pair in there. And then I've got, win- I've got four winter wheels, four stock ones, four, um, larger everyday wheels, and then some extra drift spares. It's a lot of wheels to keep track of. And living in apartments is real tough with that many wheels and tires. But, uh, for now they fit in a small storage unit and I was very happy that they fit. But Yo, expert advice, not a lot of people realize that you can actually get rid of old tires by taking them to a police precinct and setting them on fire in the parking lot. And just... <laughs> you know, that works. That's true. I yeah, actually kind of wish I had thought of that now. Yeah. Oh, at night. It's true. But with with current guidelines, you have to wear a mask if you're on the property, though, and it has to cover everything. Also, <laughs> you need to cover your arms, any visible tattoos your yeah. hair it's just guidelines you know it's 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 all very you know. <laughs> it's for covid yeah, yeah. It's for COVID. yeah so in case you're, you're you're looking to do that yeah make sure you cover up <laughs> for safety um but yeah so the, the whole ordeal which like i had to get a u-haul and stuff to like fuck around with this shit for a day which was you know a little expensive and you know was a shit show because the reservation got all fucked up. Like I, I booked it online and then I show up to the place and they're like, yeah, no, we don't have any U-Hauls. And I was like, but, but the reservation. And they're like, yeah, I know, but we don't have any U-Hauls here. So best of luck to you. 
Um, so yes, we too had some reservations about this. <laughs> so I mean, it was a whole shit show, but it just reminded me because um, I don't, I don't know if I've managed. Um, if for any listeners that may or may not get into drifting, you, you got to find room for a lot of wheels and tires, more than you expect. Actually, it's just they they follow you around, but you can make it work. Don't worry, it's you can do it. If I've got room for 11 vehicles, I'm sure I've got room for a few sets of tires. There you go. See? You're good. <laughs> yeah. Next project can be a drift van. That would yeah. be legit cool. Legit cool that as well. That would be so cool. Don't fucking tempt me. <laughs> We're tempting you. Don't say that like it's a thing I've never considered building. <laughs> What's 12 vehicles? No. Uh, six of my vehicles are vans that will probably never run again. So if I were going to build a drift van, I would take one of those and drop that body on a, some sort of chassis. There you go. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm right. actively encouraging this. <laughs> well, um, I think uh, on that note, I think that does it for pretty much all our updates. Probably want to get into uh, the uh, RPM Act, huh? Yeah. Uh, I think could we take a little break? I, I need to turn the AC on. Oh, it's like I am desperate. I am here. desperate to use the restroom. So yes, this was. Yeah, I was, let's do that. Yeah, time for a break. <laughs> All right. See you guys in a few. <laughs> it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. This growing dysfunction is built into an economic structure that institutionalizes barbarism. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, welcome back. Uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and get started in our topic uh, this week, which is going to be on something called the RPM Act. So um, you may have heard a little bit about it. Um, it's kind of been uh, on and off the last few years. Um, so it'll kind of come up and you'll see it all over social media for a while and then it'll kind of go away and it's kind of on an uptick again um, as of late. Um, so we figured that now would probably, probably be a good time to, uh, take a deeper look at what's going on between the EPA and the motorsports community. Um, now on any issue, uh, that's got any kind of, you know, political ramifications, usually people are pretty fucking divided in case you haven't noticed. Also on any issue that does not have any political ramifications. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Um, people are pretty fucking divided on most things. And this story definitely does have political ramifications. Um, and yet, despite that, it seems that the entire car community is fucking united on one side of this issue. Now, as we've discussed in the past, the car community is generally pretty reactionary. Just, you know, on average, that's the way it is. However, that's not exclusively true for all things. Um, there are leftists who are into cars. There are at least liberals who are into cars who are maybe not quite as... There's at least four of us. Well, <laughs> yeah, at least. Um, but this issue seems to get pretty universal coverage. So, you know, it's easy... That I, 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 I was on one side of it before I did a lot of research um, because it's reported one particular way. And uh, that's just the way it is. But... You know, who knows? Anyway, a lot of people seem pretty united. The whole car community is on one side, and that is against the EPA. So, 
Um, everybody's kind of on Seema's side. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe this issue can unite us all together. And we can kind of, you know, act against the oppressive state uh, coming to take our race cars. Or well, okay. maybe there's something there's else going the on. EPA, if the EPA is so fucking good, how come there's so much lead in the drinking water where I live? <laughs> I mean, that's a fair criticism, to be fair. <laughs> to be clear, I don't live in Flint, Michigan, but I do live in a place where there's lead in the drinking water. There you Yeah, go. that's a problem. That's definitely a problem. <laughs> it's actually worse in other neighborhoods, not mine, so... Yeah, this is one of those moments where it's like uh, we're living in the end of the Roman Empire, but with Wi-Fi. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Which means it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, let's let's kind of take a closer look um, at kind of how we got here, um, and we'll take a little look at like both sides here. So, um, oh, Connor's playing both sides, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Enlightened centrist, Connor. Resident centrist, Connor. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know, sometimes those centrists get things right or something. Marxist Bidenists here, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, the EPA was created by actually executive order, which I didn't know that. Uh, it was created by executive order by uh, President Nixon in 1970, um, and it was to consolidate the vast array of new environmental laws and regulations um, that had been created in, like, late 60s. Um, now, now, Connor, I think you misspoke there because you said that the EPA, which is a regulatory body, was created by a Republican president. Yeah, now, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense, actually. I, now, I knew the EPA... No, it, it 100% actually does because... the. Republicans weren't wholly anti any regulation during like that era. Like, yeah, it's, it's only the libertarian streak of modern Republicans. <laughs> it's it's weird that like all these people call themselves like Reagan Republicans, but no one calls themselves a Nixon Republican. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Nixon was like pro like actual public health care and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, the parties were a little bit different on a lot of diff- on uh, various issues back in the day. Nineteen seventy Reagan was a better Democrat than two thousand twenty Biden. Yeah, that's. It's dark, but it's true. Um, now, also back in the day, it's worth noting um, the conservative position way, way back on, on at least issues of the environment was generally pretty good. Um, there was actually there used to be a kind of focus on conservation and stuff because they appreciated the environment and wanted to protect it for the most part. Then that became liberal hippie bullshit. And then they all abandoned that, which is a real shame. But, um, you know, yeah, back in the day. There was at least some caring about the environment. I mean, in all fairness, liberals and hippies are terrible. Yes. Well, yeah. Now, yeah. it was pretty easy to be pro-environment back in the 1970s uh, because the because envi- there was still an environment. Then. Well, it was pretty fucked though. Like shit was bad. So like there was some environment. There was, I guess, in some ways it was better. In some ways it was worse. Um, but like in terms of air quality, the 1970s were fucking bad. Um, every city was covered. I'll, I'll concede that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything was just covered in smog. It was fucked up. Um, and like, there's a lot of people today who wonder like, Oh, you know, the EPA is just this and that. And it's like, fuck you. I mean, seriously, if you lived through 
the 1960s and 70s living in that fucking like smog filled everything basically you might feel a little bit different about about what the epa is doing um unfortunately we you know we don't have um the benefit well not benefit but uh we didn't experience that so like i can't even quite fathom how bad it was and there wasn't really technology at the time to like accurately show like how bad it was like their cameras weren't as good their whatever um so i feel like a lot of people today just don't understand how fucking polluted the air was along with everything else i mean people literally just do their trash forever (laughs) people are gross people are real gross um so you know anyway nixon actually created the epa uh and one of the things they were tasked with was the enforcement of the clean air act um which uh, led to emission standards for new cars and equipment to improve emissions. Uh, and it made a lot of automotive manufacturing or uh, a lot of modification, quote unquote, illegal um, in ways that would, you know, create more pollution. Um, so while that's true, you know, people found ways around it here and there. Um, but for the most part, we gained a lot by having new cars coming with catalytic converters and shit like that um because now we can breathe and if we hadn't put that shit on we wouldn't be able to breathe i mean like it would be that polluted um so there was there was definitely some good shit and we owe a lot to the clean air act um but you know of course now that people haven't experienced how bad things were the clean air act looks dumb or unimportant because look the air is fine well, it's not. Connor, let me ask you, uh, did the ban in leaded fuels have anything to do with the Clean Air Act, or was that something separate? You know, I so for this, I didn't look too deeply into specifically the Clean Air Act, but um, I would imagine if that wasn't part of it directly, it preceded it by not that long. So, like, it wasn't that long before the Clean Air Act that, you know, there was lead in fuels, and it was linked to problems. You know what I mean? Um, I think it was later that the that gasoline. Yeah, it was. Um, it only it right. it started. I think with the Clean Air Act, but it only completely phased out in 1996. Um, um so wait, that's what just phased out in '96. Leaded gasoline. What? Yeah, it was a gradual thing. I thought that leaded fuels were eliminated in like eighty. Uh, no, I think it was limited around then. So I'm I'm just reading something. The first thing that popped up. Um, no, that so makes by, sense. I did recently learn that in in the UK and Europe in general, they didn't fully ban leaded fuels until two thousand. Huh. Wow. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure when I was in Costa Rica in like two thousand four, they had leaded gasoline there. I think that every day I hate the world that I live in a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's still legal to use in aircraft, race cars, farm equipment, and marine engines. Oh, you can buy lead additive at any part store. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think we might've talked about this before, but like some people have theorized that the, the, you know, gradual phase out of leaded gasoline sort of, um, 
caused the the drop in crime rates that that started in the 90s so to be clear that is a theory in the way that like in science a theory means something that you believe to be true and proven um it is generally accepted fact that that caused a decrease in violence and like criminality or whatever you want to call it yeah i mean Um, it makes sense I had a friend who was an environmental lawyer for like 10 years and he told me about that. And I'm like, Oh, is that proven? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, well, you're always full of shit. So I'm going to fact check you. And when I fact checked him, it was like, yes, this is generally accepted to be a big part of the reason why violence has decreased in the last 20 to 30 years. Hmm. Right. Because one of the side effects of lead poisoning is a deep, like lowered inhibitions. Like you don't have as good of, like self-control. So when you want to murder the guy for pissing you off, instead of like being like, actually, you know, I don't really want to spend the rest of my life in jail. You think, actually, I really want to murder this dude (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah. And the more billionaires go into space every week, the more I relate to lead poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. Um, In Minecraft. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Satirically speaking, I relate to lead poisoning wanting you to murder the people who are destroying the world in which I live. Yeah. For the purposes of satire. Yeah. No, that was a good satire joke. Do not kill Jeff Bezos. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) But, like, if you really want to, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) But for legal reasons, that's a joke. Yeah, always joking. Very funny one. Technically speaking, it's not a joke. We're going to have to cut that last bit now. This is a comedy podcast about cars, legally speaking. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Illegally speaking, kill your boss. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so EPA's created. We've got the Clean Air Act. Part of it is we used to put fucking lead in the atmosphere. We stopped doing that or started phasing it out. Whatever and now we put it in the water. Yeah, now we put it in the water instead. Um, but yeah, shit was it's a much more really... efficient method of delivery. Well, shit was yeah, shit was bad during like the sixties and seventies. Like it was fucking crazy bad, and a lot of young people who are maybe against the EPA don't really understand that. Which is a point I think I'll come around to uh, later. But that's an interesting. Time is a factor that we kind of have to consider with any political issue is that when you fix something, if it takes you too long, no one remembers the fucking problem that you solved. Um, And I feel like that can apply to a lot of leftist movements. So I think we'll I'll circle back to that, I feel like. But um, in, in my opinion, I think we owe kind of a lot to the Clean Air Act um, and, and what it did. Um, and so at the same time that like, we now have air that has been improved, we don't have the same kind of smog and the same kind of emissions from cars that we used to have at the same time, we also have 500 horsepower engines that are a fucking dime a dozen. Um, and we're in a peak period of automotive performance. Now, obviously technology gets better, but like, and that's the natural progression. But I'd like to point out that, like, hey, we have all that with emissions controls. Shocking. You know. Interesting that a lot of people kind of forget that point when they're like, oh, the 
EPA wants to do, 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 do. And I'm like, dude, the 700 horsepower fucking Hellcat's on the road with a catalytic converter. Shut up. Like, it's fine. <laughs> What's your excuse? Yeah, if, if, if I can be, like, the most reactionary person on the podcast for a moment, not in a genuine sense, but in the fact that, like, I, I'm the classic car guy here, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think we're comfortable saying that, right? Um, sure. It, anytime you start paying attention to, like, 60s and 70s motors from any of the big three, everyone wants to praise to no end the motors from the, the mid to late 60s because that was, like, peak era for the horsepower wars and everyone just likes to ignore the fact that like they got to ignore every emission standard they still had leaded fuels like they had every possible like advantage in terms of making power at the expense of like absolutely poisoning everyone around them but like and they fucking ran 16 seconds in the quarter mile they were slow well there was a few that got into like 13s and 14s but come on that was the best they could do back in the day. Well, I'm not going to criticize that because engine, like, it's always going to be a matter of yeah. like, if I saw further than those before me, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. You never, you never got into the tens until you got into the fourteens and thirteens and twelves and elevens. But just everyone now romanticizes that era. Yes, because by the mid seventies they started putting in emissions controls. And you had to have hardened valve seats because you were no longer no longer running uh, leaded fuels and or like not as much so stuff like that, and it's it's just bananas. Like for for for, for my car, everybody wants you like if you want performance, everybody says buy like the '60s heads for your car. When the reality is buy the 2020 repopped aluminum heads for your car if you want to make actual power. Yep. But like. Yep. Yeah, I love old muscle cars, but fuck that whole crowd. They're, it's the most reactionary bullshit. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying is like they romanticize this period of like, oh, it was faster back then. Cars. Yeah, and it's like, shut up. I'm sorry. There was, come on. It, yeah, they were fast. Don't get me wrong. They were cool. But they were also unsafe and like they didn't last long. And it's a lot of problems back then. <laughs> they polluted everything. So, yeah, it, it's kind of like we have better performance now, which we would expect. That's the normal progression of things. But, um, yeah, I did want to make that note that, like, hey, we now have way better emissions and a lot of horsepower. Um, it's kind of like, again, it's like we got to have our cake and eat it, too, which is an idiom that I have never understood. I just used it, but I've never really understood why that makes sense. What do, what do they mean? Having cake, eating it too. What the fuck else would you do with cake? I don't know, but that's what this is like. <laughs> I, I actually am with you in that it took me a long time to understand that, but I do understand it now. Please explain it to me because I'm sure I'm not the. I'm sure listeners have the same fucking question. <laughs> uh, for me personally, I'll say think of it less as cake and more as savings. You want to blow all of the money that you have because you worked hard to save that money, and now you can reward yourself by spending it on a thing you want. But also, you don't want to eliminate the soft cushion of savings that you have created for yourself. Well, that's way better than so cake. As, Why as, was cake the analogy? Cake sucks for that because analogy. Because it was like the 1700s, and they didn't have savings accounts. They had cake. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. I guess that's... that was like a Marie Antoinette quote or something, <laughs> which wasn't even a real Marie Antoinette quote. That was apocryphal. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, do I eat this now or do I save it for later? It's like, well, oh, and you can't have both. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, hey, I'm glad. I'm actually glad we cleared that up because I feel like that's very informative. <laughs> yeah, super relevant to what we're doing right it now. It is super. I, I used the. I used it, so it's relevant. That's how it works. Actually, I will draw a. If you give me four hours, I will draw a through line from Marie Antoinette apro- apocryphally saying that to me being a leftist car guy. Got it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we don't have four hours. Um, for a tangent? For a tangent. Well, not, not even for something wholly unrelated to the topic. Uh, it's tempting. It is tempting. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where, you know, that's a little bit of background uh, in history on the EPA. I know it's short, but that's really all we need for now. Um, then we kind of get on to the uh, SEMA side of things. Um, so the uh, SEMA and PRI, Yay. which I forget what PRI stands for, but they're another trade group of some kind. They're with SEMA. That's what you need to know. SEMA is the big character here. Uh, so the SEMA PRI backed recognizing the Protection of Motorsports Act of uh, 2021 which they, they've they introduced this uh, legislation a couple of times. Um, so going back to 2017. Um, so the most current one is obviously 2021. So they uh, the Recognizing Protection of Motorsports Act of 2021, uh, or the RPM Act, as we'll, we'll call it, um, was introduced in the House by U.S. Representatives Patrick uh, McHenry, a Republican of North, of North Carolina, and uh, Raul Ruiz, a Democrat from California, uh, on May 17th of this year. Um, So it protects Americans' right to convert street vehicles into dedicated race cars, as well as the motorsports parts industry's ability to sell products that allow racers to compete. Uh, In doing so, it reverses the position of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, uh, that prohibits... Um, streetcar to race car conversions, um, which is not true, but, oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to be picking a side on this. This is just the background info, but, uh, that's not true. Um, so that prohibits, uh, streetcar to race car conversions along with the sale of parts that take a street vehicle out of compliance with broad based emission standards, even if that vehicle is track only. So sounds a little bit scary. Oh, can't, you know turn a streetcar into a race car. Oh, no. Um, they go on to uh, state that while the EPA points to the 50-year-old Federal Clean Air Act um, as the basis for its position, it was only in 2015 that officials began interpreting the law uh, to include race car conversions. That interpretation has sent a chill through the aftermarket, and it now has manufacturers, distributors, and retail businesses that sell parts for converted race cars, fearing recrim- recrimination from federal regulators. Um, even manufacturers uh, that market parts for dedicated purpose-built race cars are worried that if their products make it onto an outlaw street vehicle, uh, they could be subject to prosecution. So the EPA is trying to enforce the Clean Air Act and all that comes with that. SEMA... Um, is kind of claiming that, you know, well, it doesn't allow for, or it's 
it's no longer allowing the conversion of streetcars into race cars. They are now prohibiting that conversion, um, which is obviously scary. And that's what I've seen reported. So when you see people talk about the RPM Act, they're going to say things like they are pro they're banning motorsports. They're making it impossible to make race cars. They are not allowing you to have a track only car. Dude, I love that. Now, instead of converting my streetcar to a race car, I can just convert my streetcar to a streetcar that runs 10 seconds in the quarter mile. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to we're going to investigate this. We're going to see if that's really what's going on. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can guess from how I'm presenting this is probably not how it's going. But, um, you know, join us for the ride. <laughs> So, um, so that's the basic setup, um, for how we kind of got ourselves here, uh, today, um, and back in 2017. So over the last few years, this has popped up a few times. Uh, this was big in 2017. Um, and you know, I took a position on it then, um, it's kind of back. It, it's popped up a couple times, 2018, 2019. I don't think it gained as much steam. Uh, it's kind of big right now. Um, once again, I don't think it's as big as it was in 2017. Um, if I'm using the number of co-sponsors in Congress, um, as a, as an indicator, I think back in 2017, it got up to, um, got up to like 150 some odd representatives were co-sponsoring the bill. Um, and it made it through committee and then it was, um, I learned about the procedure. The procedural thing that happened, because my partner uh, explained it to me, but uh, the bill was passed committee and then got never got put on the calendar to be taken up by the full house. So apparently that's another place that a bill can die is by just not ever scheduling it to be read on the floor, which is what happened in 2017. Um, we'll see what happens in 2021, but right now... I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's got about 70-ish um, co-sponsors. So not quite as much yet. Um, but 70 seems like a lot. It, I mean, it is in, in a lot of ways. It is a lot. Um, but it, it did have more in the past. Uh, so this has come before Congress a couple of times. Um, I will get into it. I did look into the actual committee report from 2017. Um, and what they found after, you know, having, bringing people before Congress and investigating it further. Um, but that's kind of how we got to where we're at. Um, we basically, it looks like we've got two sides. So we've got the EPA on one side and then every single car enthusiast and all automotive media without exception on the other side. Um, that's kind of what I'm finding. Um, now, as leftists, especially most of us, I think, of our listeners living uh, in the United States, we should probably know uh, to raise questions about any media narrative that we hear, uh, especially one that is portrayed universally in one direction. So it's kind of this, hey... I, the I don't remember exactly how we got on the topic of the RPM Act, but I do remember it coming up in the context of, like, all of these reactionaries say that the EPA bad, so I think this is probably a 
a thing we should look into. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it's pretty much um you know how it came up. Um now it's it's convincing. Okay. I when I took so I basically for me in doing the research, what I came to was you know, I was looking and looking, I was like, oh, fuck, actually, it seems like they're right. Like, man, this is actually kind of scary. Like, it seems like the EP... Big if true. Yes, big if true. Uh, and then I did a, you know, I kept looking and I kept looking. And thanks to, um, you know, my partner, Megan, who kind of was just like, I, you know, I started telling her, I was like, boy, it's starting to look like this is maybe a real thing. And she's like, no, you're missing something. I don't know what, but she's like, keep looking. Something, something's not adding up. <laughs> something's, something's wrong here. You best keep looking and make sure you get this right. If you're going to go out and do this on your podcast, you better fucking get it right. So I kept looking and, you know, again, it's coming, it's coming up, but yeah, I kind of found that that's probably, it's worth questioning. Um, so, um, Basically, it's been portrayed one way in the media, and I haven't really seen any automotive media portray it any other way, um, including, you know, um, outlets like The Drive or Jalopnik, which are actually have a lot of kind of lefty writers, surprisingly. Um, they've been pretty um, one-sided on this issue, too. EPA bad, RPM Act good. Um, but, you know... Perhaps a capitalist industry trade group isn't the most trustworthy source on the issues of our environment. Is, you know, something to consider. (laughs) As the adage that I kind of bring up a lot with you guys being like, you have to kill the cop in your head, that can mean so many things. And so even if you're ostensibly left, when it comes to us, like like we're on this podcast because we like cars and we like leftist politics. So it's very easy to look at something uh, from one perspective or the other and not have a truly like dialectic approach to it. So like if, if you want to be, you know, liberal to ostensibly left wing and say like, well, actually the RPM act is good because this, that, or the other thing, it's very easy to ignore, like, to think of that from the perspective of I like cars and don't want to lose that aspect of my life and therefore not look at it critically like you ought to be because you all are also a person that does not want the oceans to continue catching fire on a regular basis. Does that sound about right? Well, that's... Fuck, Brandon. That's the end of the episode. You did it. <laughs> you did it. Better than I could. I... I... I mean, really, that's what's going on. I, I want to think I nailed it, but that sounds so sarcastic. No, no, it's not <laughs> at all. It's I, okay, not at all. Cool. Literally, all that's right. what. It, yeah, so cool. I had that same kind <laughs> of that, like, oh no, I like this thing. I don't want it to be taken away, and it's like, okay, do we need to look a little deeper though? Do we need to maybe question whether a capitalist industry trade group is telling us the truth? Would I believe this in any other case? No. So, um, so I looked a little. It's like when Nestle releases a study that chocolate's good for you. Like, well, I like chocolate, so this must be true. Why would Nestle, of all places, lie to me? Yeah. So, um, now it's funny. Um, 
obviously we're we're pretty deep into this podcast, but um, as you're probably guessing by now, SEMA is more than just a car show. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I sure didn't. Do they have some sort of lobbying power? They do, Brandon. That's very astute. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I literally said that not knowing whether it was true or not. I just assumed from your tone of voice that they had some sort of lobbying. Yes. Group. Well, so that's the thing. SEMA bills itself, you know, as just everyone knows them as, oh, that's the SEMA car show, right? That's where you see all these big project cars and the coolest cars in the country that get built specifically for SEMA. A lot of them probably don't work properly more than, you know, they work for one particular show, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it turns out they do more than just the fucking car show. Uh, they represent the interests of the automotive aftermarket. Now, of course, as cool as that might sound, uh, we live under capitalism, in case you forgot. So naturally, they're actually just doing um, speculation, but... Uh, they're probably just doing evil shit uh, for our corporate overlords. Um, they lobby, they do public relations campaigns, and they make sure that money keeps fucking rolling in. So, yeah, they... they supp- this would be a good time to point out that AAA is also that. Are they really? Fuck, we'll have yeah, to... Yeah, we'll, they're lobbying true. God damn. No, I, I stick with AAA because God knows I fucking use the shit out of that service, but <laughs> I feel bad about it. They are absolutely a lobbyist group, and it's never in favor of something good. No, no, it never I, is. It never is. I didn't research any of that before we got on this episode because I didn't expect it to come up. I didn't think about it, but yeah, uh, uh, AAA is a lobbyist group, and when you have AAA, they are putting that money towards nefarious things. Wow, so we're going to... So once again, on our podcast, we're talking about what we're definitely going to do future episodes on. So add that one to the list. <laughs> Anyone who's keeping a, ta- a tally, add that one to the list. <laughs> it's wild, dude. It's almost like, like how, what's the best? It's, it's like, it's almost like there's no ethical consumption. <laughs> Keep working on that thought. Keep working on that. I feel like you're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that there's like uh, some like car insurance companies have like uh, towing services that you know are comparable to AAA, but like still it's, yeah, they're not really any better. You know, I'm sure they're part of some lobbying group also. So yeah, I think that they're better in the sense that like that specific service that, that they offer is not in and of itself a lobbyist group. But it would be pretty bold to assume that that insurance company does not have a lobbyist arm to it. Right, yeah. yeah. Especially, like, if they're in the private healthcare industry also, you know, as a lot of insurance companies are. No, I think that, uh, I think that department's pretty on the level. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they've got really any vested interest in capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check my notes on that. I'll get back to you. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's be... Let's... Be skeptical of what we're hearing from SEMA, which is all anyone's ever any other way. What? I'm never any other way but skeptical. (laughs) Good. Um, So the uh, the reason um, no, it's it's ruined my friendships and relationships for my whole life. I I don't recommend it. And well, I do. Be be skeptical of things. Be somewhat skeptical, not maybe of everything, but certain things. (laughs) Why would you say that? Trust but verify. (laughs) 
Um, so the uh, the reason this has come up um, kind of a lot in the last few months, um, I, we're a little bit late to the show, but since, you know, springtime, somewhere in there, um, the reason it's come up is because SEMA recently filed an amicus brief in a case against the company doing uh, diesel engine modification in Arizona back in late March. Um, so then, you know, after that, the RPM Act was reintroduced for the 2021 year uh, in Congress, and that was on May 15th, 17th. So basically, in late March, SEMA's making moves in court in Arizona. They file what's called an amicus brief, which an amicus brief I learned specifically for this show, not because I'm some legal genius. Don't get the wrong idea. Um Give yourself some credit. I'm not in this case. Um, anyway, an amicus brief is basically when an outside third party comes into a fucking case to offer some kind of uh, quote unquote expertise. So this is where a trade group would come into. Oh, well, actually, blah, blah, blah. So it's a group that like doesn't have standing in the case per se, but will come on one side of it to offer um expert testimony, things like that. So an amicus brief is basically like they will take all this fucking, this whole big argument and this big like legal argument and put it into like the public record in that case. So they're trying to convince the judge that, Hey, you know, cause basically you've got a situation where the EPA is having, um, is bringing a case against, um, a company in Arizona, which, um, I got to double check the name of, I should probably mention who they are. Um, they're, I think it's gearbox Z if I'm not mistaken, bear with me. Let me look this up real quick or not look it up, but pull up the tab. I've got a lot open. (laughs) All right. So, um, yes, the company name was gearbox Z out of Arizona and their you know, the EPA goes after them for doing, um, you know, illegal parts that are designed to get around emissions controls on diesel engines. Um, so they're fighting against the EPA. They're going to fucking lose. They're going to get, I mean, it's not even close. They don't stand a chance. SEMA, who is invested in protecting this kind of activity, right? This, these aftermarket manufacturers, that's who they represent. So they want to protect this business. They come into the case in Arizona and they file again, what's called an amicus brief where they kind of give their whole argument of, Oh, Hey, this is a big deal and we need to pay attention to it. Um, so that happened in late March. Uh, so late March, there was a whole flurry of articles once again, resurrecting the RPM act. And that's probably when you start seeing it on social media. Um, and it picks up some steam and it gets reintroduced in the house on May 17th, um, for, you know, into a committee. Um, so let's be, uh, you know, let's kind of take a look at, um, what SEMA has to say, uh, at least according to their website, uh, on all of this going down. So according to SEMA, um, back in 2015, uh, the EPA kind of changed its interpretation of the Clean Air Act. Um, the EPA changed its interpretation of the... Uh, Clean Air Act and how it appeal applies to uh, like race cars and stuff. Um, so that interpretation has sent a chill through the aftermarket and its manufacturers, distributors, and retail businesses that sell parts for these types of cars. Now, 
What's more, just last year, and this is written now, so this would be 2020, uh, the EPA specifically said it was prioritizing stopping aftermarket defeat devices for vehicles and engines uh, that override required emissions controls. Based on priorities of the current administration, or the Biden administration, uh, enforcement actions are only expected to intensify. Um, so, in quotes, uh, this is no way to treat a sector of the American economy that employs hundreds of thousands of people, generates billions of dollars in economic activity, and serves the needs of countless enthusiasts throughout the nation, said Daniel Ingber, SEMA slash PRI Vice President of Government and Legal Affairs. Um, again, in quotes, the RPM Act will provide the racing community with certainty and confidence in the face of the EPA interpretation of the Clean Air Act that threatens to devastate an American pastime and, el- and eliminate jobs in our communities. Uh, that is why Congress must pass the RPM Act now. Um, so, of course, what we're saying here is that, hey, this is a big part of the economy and the job-killing EPA is coming after it. This sucks. Um, so, at press time... Uh, 69 members of the U.S. House of Representatives, which I think is actually nice. I think now is a little bit higher. Um, I, I forget what it's at, um, but it's higher. Um, is it 420 now? <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. It took me a second to just realize you were saying nice to the 69 members. <laughs> being uh, Someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like I'm like, asking if there were not 420 for you to realize we were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm very tunnel visioned at this point, but uh, yeah. So that is in fact nice. Uh, they now have more people signed on. I forgot, <laughs> but um, so they also they they specifically note um, that it is co-sponsored by people from both sides of the aisle, which as I'm sure you're all familiar with. Uh, they love to use that bipartisanship thing. That's a, that's a tool that they love to use. But uh, this is apparently a bipartisan bill. And uh, so it had people from both sides join on as co-sponsors to the RPM Act, which is now currently under uh, H.R. 3281. So for the 2021 uh, year, that is the bill number. So if you wish to look it up, again, 3281. Um, among the first to sign on was Representative Bill Posey, a Republican from Florida. You know this will be good. Um, yeah, it's already such a bad sign. <laughs> um, who is apparently a longtime racer slash entrepreneur. Who's I think the term you're looking for is probably racist. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure. I, we knew we knew that. Avid racist and resident of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say the same thing twice? <laughs> um, so, his whose roots in motorsports date back to 1962 when he purchased his first stock car at age 15. So, I don't know. Okay, respect. A little bit, yeah. Respect for the 15-year-old racing stock cars. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> um, having bought and sold race race tracks across 35 states over three decades. 
Oh, race. Oh, good. He went from race car driver to landlord. Oh my god! Yeah, Excellent. I didn't realize the first time. First time reading this, I didn't quite realize that he was selling fucking racetracks like a goddamn landlord. Fuck this guy. Well, fuck him anyway. I knew that, but um, <laughs> fuck him even more now. Um, anyway, for over thirty years, whatever. Posey has a deep understanding of the passion for motorsports. Uh, and in an exclusive interview with PRI this summer, he expressed in no uncertain terms the very real dangers facing our industry. So he's going to tell us what's at stake. And we know when Republicans, you know, tell us what to worry about, we should take them seriously. We know that our government has a tendency to overregulate and more particularly to overregulate the automotive field, he said. And we know they tend to be dishonest about it. Hmm, yeah. Uh, as evidenced by the threat the RPM Can Act was... Can initi- criticize this while my aneurysm subsides? <laughs> subsides? Subsides isn't a word. I Fuck off. It's okay, you were having an aneurysm. So. Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> um, got okay. the over-regulation of the U.S. government. That's just what our problem is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... So they tend to be dishonest about it by, as evidenced by the threat the RPM Act was initiated to defeat, which I don't think makes sense um, at all. I don't know why they even printed that quote, because that, I don't think that makes any sense. Does that make sense to you guys? Do you know what the fuck he's saying there? Uh, let me read this again. So, wait, Could wait. you read that again? Yeah. So um, we know that our government has a tendency to overregulate and more particularly to overregulate the automotive field. And we know they tend to be dishonest about it, as evidenced by the threat the RPM Act was initiated to defeat. So. Okay, so it makes sense, but it's real fucking poorly worked. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah reading it again. So he's calling the, e- the EPA's actions a th- the threat. Okay. Right. Very weirdly worded. The bottom line there is, if you don't get interested in politics, you're probably going to be out of business. Great. Um, we know the bosses are already interested in politics, and they know where their fucking class interests lie. Don't be fucking fooled. <laughs> okay, don't, don't be fooled. They know where their interests lie. Uh, Posey went on to explain that regulations like those cited by the EPA are enforceable as laws, even though they're made, oh, they're made by, quote, made by unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. Obviously, they, in quotes, the EPA, or in brackets, weren't authorized by any legislation to write that rule, except the Clean Air Act and the executive order that created them. Um... We might need to take a break while I have, like, a fucking meltdown <laughs> over just that last paragraph. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, I didn't elect every fucking person in the EPA. Let's have an election for thousands of government things. Oh, God damn fucking asshole. That's not how it works. I don't get to elect my fucking boss. If you're so fucking pro-election, let's have some democracy in the fucking workplace. You don't give a shit about fucking anything, you dumb fuck. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't elect the guy at the EPA. Just He just got the job because he was qualified. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. I'm agreeing with this guy and still fuck him. Fuck him. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> 
in in this one iota of point zero zero one percent of his platform, I agree with him, and I still hope he fucking burns in hell. God damn it. <laughs> so the uh, they weren't authorized. Blah 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 blah. Uh, they weren't authorized by any legislation to write that rule, but they did it anyway. And had it not been for SEMA, it would have been implemented. The only thing we... You know, I didn't vote for him to make this stupid fucking speech, so he probably shouldn't have opened his fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only thing we can do about a bad rule is pass legislation to counteract it. Um, now, The only thing we can do about a bad rule is overthrow the ruling class at this point. I God agree. Damn it. Yes. They are decrepit, and they need to go. <laughs> Yep. I'm going to take a moment. You guys just do your thing. I'm going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and that's the end, folks. I uh, told you it was going to be abrupt, and uh, it was. Uh, Brandon was just a little too flabbergasted to continue, so we ended up having to uh, push it back a little bit uh, and record in another session. So uh, congrats on making it this far, and hope you get on to the next episode. And remember to come follow us on social media at, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, you name it. We're there. Um, come hang out with us online, and uh, if you can, uh, rate and review our podcast. We're pretty sure uh, good ratings help us, we assume. We're not really sure, but everyone else says so, so let's go with that. Ratings and reviews are much appreciated, and uh, as always, thanks for listening. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism foists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment. And then it does an interesting thing. It eventually begins to devour itself. If the paladins of corporate America want to know what really threatens our way of life, it's their way of life. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Uh, It's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy. The billionaires and the Bolsheviks. Ha 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 ha!